This is not it, but it's a scripture that he quotes, amen, that just stood out to me um, one day and just kind of been meditating on it ever since. And so as I was preparing this sermon, um, you know, oftentimes I'm reading in the bed before I I fall asleep. And my wife asked me, she's like, what what are you doing? What are you reading? I say, I'm getting ready for the the sermon. And and, she she said, I think she, I think she asked what letter we were on, and I said R. And then she just started guessing. She started making up words, <laughs> and she actually guessed the word. And I was like, now I got to change the title because you done guessed the title of the sermon. <laughs> but I did, um, and I did change it. But it was amazing to me that when I changed it, it still kind of made. It was still I couldn't, I couldn't change it, change it because the words that's up there kind of mean the same thing. Lord, so Lord. I just thank God that. Even in her plan and even in her guessing, we were on one accord. Like she was guessing the sermon without even trying. Amen. And so we know that we are doing in times of distress. In times of distress. And so we've been going through and for the last either couple of Sundays or Bible studies, different ones have been reminding us of all of the words, words that God has given us. And so on this Sunday, God has me using the word remedy. Um, the word that she guessed was respite, um, respite or respite. I'm sorry, respite. Amen. And the word respite means it's, it's a temporary or momentary rest. Amen. It's a temporary or momentary rest. And I know it was the Lord because she was just guessing random words and <laughs> she didn't say respite. She said she 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 make up words all the time. She made up the word and I was like, you almost guessed the word. And so I told her what it was and and then we did I just told her that it um meant I don't know if I told her what it meant, I told her to look it up. But a respite is a momentary rest. And so I did change it to the word remedy. Amen. I did change it to the word remedy. And a remedy is it's a healing of disease. It's a refreshing of both the mind and the body. When you look it up in the Hebrew, it means to refresh your mind and your body. Um, A remedy can be um, deliverance. It's tranquility. So it's peace of mind and peace of heart. So that just made me think about um, what we did in Beatitudes, meekness of heart. It's balance and it's gentleness. So when I read 2 Chronicles 36 and 16, it said, But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets 
until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, so there was no remedy. There was no deliverance. There was no healing. There was no peace. There was no balance. And so, to use this in context, to use this in context, if y'all read um, 2 Chronicles, that's during the time of the kings. And that's during the time when God's kingdom was being divided. And because of their idolatry, because they were worshiping other gods, they end up being separated from God. They end up being taken from the promised land and scattered and being in control of all these foreign nations. And the reason that they were scattered was because they mocked the messengers of God. They despised God's word. They misused his prophets until it came to a point that God became so angry. He was like, y'all supposed to be my people. God became so angry, it, it got to a point where there was no way to fix it. There was no remedy. There was no respite. So there's times in our life when we, when we can be walking astray, walking against God, and he'll give us, he'll give us, um, He'll give us respite. He'll give us respite. He'll give us a temporary, momentary rest, right? So there can be times when we're not living for the Lord, and God will provide a remedy, right? He'll give you a momentary rest. He'll give you time to regroup, and then you thinking, okay, whew, you take a breath, and you thinking, whew, I can, I can breathe a little bit, even though you're not right with the Lord. But there comes a point, or there comes a time when you're doing that, and you, you've misused his word so much, you misuse his grace and his mercy so much that there comes a time that there's no longer any remedy for what you're doing. God is like, if I continue to give you these quick fixes or I continue to give you these, these remedies, the disease will never get healed. It's like you got something wrong with you and the doctor gives you a pill and, it, and, it, and it, it temporarily fixes you, it temporarily heals you, but you still got this disease. And God does not want us to live like that. He wants to heal you all the way. Amen. Right? But it comes a point in time where if you anybody knows, like, if you're even if you're on drugs or you smoking or whatever, and you, you know, when you start out, I remember the first time I smoked, it felt like my heart was getting ready to beat out of my chest, right? Right? But you do it so much, then one blunt, not enough. Or one drink, not enough. And you keep needing this fix, right? So anybody, and it's the same thing, it's like you, we can become so comfortable with God rescuing us all the time or having mercy or fixing it, even though we, don't, we have not devoted our heart where eventually those quick fixes don't work anymore. And God God says, I would be doing you a disservice if I, if I kept doing that, knowing that you're walking around with this disease. And eventually you're going to die and you're going to get out of here. And it's going to be just like that song, Will You Be Ready? God is like, if I keep allowing y'all to walk this way, will you actually be ready when Jesus comes? So in times of distress, God, on this Sunday, God is going to tell us what the remedy is, right? He's going to tell us how he ministers to us, how he gives us periods of rest. And normally what happens is we either take those things for granted or we push them away when he's doing it. And so based on what I just read in Second Chronicles, in times of distress, in order to in order to be healed, number one, you have to respect the messengers of God. 
And as I was writing this, I, I, I want to be clear. I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about the people in your life that are actually giving you a word. The people in your life that are actually pulling you towards good. They are the messengers of God. God can use anybody. The Bible tells us that God spoke through a donkey, right? So it's some people in your life, right? Whether they got all of this stuff together, right? It's some people in your life that's just like, don't do that. Don't go there. Leave that person alone. Don't do that. God, you can use them even though they're not all the way right. Right? But that's just the first part of it now. Y'all stay with me. So you have to respect the messenger of God. I'm not saying everybody is a messenger, but anybody can be used. Mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense? Mm -hmm. So everybody that speaks over your life is not a messenger of God just because they're speaking over your life. Mm -hmm. Everybody not a messenger, but anybody can be used. So we have to know. That's where your discernment comes in. You have to know who's speaking for God and who's not. So that brings me to number two. So respect the messengers of God. Number two, you have to reverence his word. That means you have to take his word seriously. And if you take his word seriously, when people talk to you, when God sends a messenger, you will understand how God talks. That, that, that makes sense? So if everybody in this room, just say everybody in this room walks up to her and say, I got a word for you. I got a word for you. How will she know if I say one thing and Janelle say one thing and I tell you say one? How will she know who's telling the truth? She has to have reverence for God's word. Mm -hmm. Because if I say something that's not in his word, then she can say, well, mm -hmm. that's not God. Mm -hmm. Because messengers from God are only going to say what God wants them to say. Amen. Right? And then number three, you have to understand prophecy. And so we did this one time before. What's prophecy for? Prophecy is to save you. Yes. Prophecy is just not to come up to, to tell you God got a blessing for you. He's going to give you such and such money. Mm -hmm. Money is not going to save you, right? Mm -hmm. When somebody is prophesying, and, and so this is why you don't allow everybody to speak of your life. When somebody is actually prophesying to you, they are telling you what God said so that God can save you, so that God can provide a remedy, so that God can give you rest. Mm -hmm. A lot of people like speaking over your life, right? They just like they, they like to tell you what they think you want to hear so that they can get your ear. And then once they have your ear, they can lead you astray. But scripture tells us that God, God says, my sheep know my voice. How do you know his voice if you don't know his word? So all of these things together, when you respect his messengers, when you reverence his word, when you understand prophecy, all of these work together. These are remedies for disaster, remedies for disaster. So how do we navigate times of distress? How do so as we're going through life and we in a time of distress, we gotta have reverence for his word. We gotta know who is actually for us and against us, and we have to understand prophecy. And in a nutshell, those three things in a nutshell all come down to wisdom, y'all. So today I'm going to I'm gonna be in the book of Proverbs. I'm going to be in the book of, of Proverbs, and as I was reading this, and this is what I love about a small church like this, and as I was reading, I said, this is another reason why you have to talk or communicate with your pastors, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you talk, 
So communicate with your pastors, and I'm thinking about like how we check in with each other on Wednesday. Um, when you talk or communicate with your pastor, and you're telling them not, you know, not every every phone call doesn't have to be I'm gonna dump my stuff on you, right? But just in in the when you're fellowshipping and you're communicating about what you're going through in your life, that gives the messengers of God something to go to God for on your behalf. So because I talk to you all in the church, as I'm as I'm reading and preparing this sermon, different ones came to mind. And I so as I'm going through this, I, I started I started listening to ones. I'm like, that that's a word of wisdom for Tony. That's a word of wisdom for Tony. That's a word of wisdom for Izzy, right? I, I can start I can start saying, and then and when I give them this word of wisdom, that's gonna be a remedy for Something that's going on in their life. When I give them this word of wisdom, that's going to help them navigate, or that might give them a momentary rest to get it together, right? So that's where the respecting the messengers of God comes in at. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm just really, this whole sermon is going to be me reading different proverbs to y'all. And, and I hope, like, my wife calls them nuggets, right? So I hope y'all just, like, take these nuggets. And they just provide a remedy for things that you're going through because I truly believe that every answer we need is in the Word of God. Yes. So this is Proverbs 6, um, verses 1 through 3. Then I'm going to read 15 through, I mean 5 through 15. So Proverbs 6, 1 through 3. My child, and y'all can stay seated because I'm, I'm in it now. My child, have have you promised to be responsible for someone's debts? Have you been caught by your own words, trapped by your own promises? Well then, my child, you are in that person's power. But this is how you get out of it. Hurry to him and beg him to release you. Get out of the trap like a bird or a deer escaping. From a hunter, and so I read that, and the Lord said, "This, this is the wisdom, right? This is the re this is the remedy for somebody. Free yourself from debt, and this is not only financial wisdom. This is spiritual wisdom. We walk around with our souls in debt. We think we owe people things that we don't, right? And if you're walking around in debt and thinking that you owe your mom, I owe my mama this." I owe my brothers and sisters this. If you walk around thinking you owe these people all this stuff, then, you, then they control you. You can't walk freely. You're in debt. God says free yourself from that. That work in the, that work in the, in the natural with your money. Stop borrowing and, uh, and seek the kingdom of God and then everything else will be added unto you. Right? You're going to be constantly owing people. Constantly working to pay somebody else back. So that works in the natural, and it also works in the spiritual. Because God said, you know, you're walking around thinking you owe people all this stuff, but what's the whole duty of man? Ecclesiastes tells us to just fear God and keep his commandments. What's your reasonable service? Romans tells us to do what? All you got to do is present yourself as a living sacrifice. That goes back to that sermon on demands, right? We place demands on people. We place, we place all of these debts on ourselves. So the wisdom in that is serve God, period. You can't pay your own debts. 
Just serve God. He already paid your debts for you. Just serve him. Right? Because the only, like, when you're trying to pay your own debts, the only wages that sin produces is what? Death. You can't pay nothing off with, with, with death, with sin. So just serve God. So that's a nugget for somebody. If you're walking around thinking that you got to be everything to everybody and you got to fix everybody's problems, no, you don't. Serve God. And in serving God, you will do what needs to be done. Right? Stop trying to take control. Right? So here's the next nugget. Lazy people, this is verse 6, lazy people should learn a lesson from the way that ants live. They have no leader, chief, or ruler, but they store up their food during the summer, getting ready for winter. How long is the lazy man going to lie around? When is he ever going to get up? This is what the lazy man says. I'll just take a short nap, he says. I'll fold my hands and rest a while. But while he sleeps, poverty will attack him like an armed robber. Right? Faith without works is dead. What you believe, that's orthodoxy, what you believe is evidenced by what you do. Orthopraxy. So you can't say you believe God and then don't do anything. You can't say you love God and then don't do anything. The Bible says if you love me, you are going to keep verb. You are going to keep my commandments. You're going to do something. Right? But the spiritual part of what you believe and what you do is your orthopathy. That's how you feel about what you do. That's the quality part, that quality sermon. So you can believe one thing, you can even do something, you can believe that God is real, you can do something, I can go to church, but how do you feel about it? Are you just doing it to do it? Because you know that's what I'm supposed to do, and then you think you're like, well, if I do this, then maybe he's going to bless me, even though I really don't want to do it. So your feelings and your motivation is all screwed up. Right? So what does this have to do with being lazy, Pastor, right? So how many of you, like, so if you haven't put any effort, if you haven't put any effort into how you love God, how you think about him, how you go to church, how you really feel about all of it, Right? then what do you think you're going to reap out of? So that's the part about being lazy. The lazy man is sitting back with his arms folded saying, I'm just going to take a short nap, right? God just going to, he going to give me a break. He going to give me, he going to give me this little break. But when we wake up from our nap, we expect him to do what? Read. And God like, you've been asleep for the last 10 years. <laughs> You've been napping for the last 10 years. How You've been napping, napping for the last five months. How do you expect to reap when you get up? He say even the ants know. The ants don't even have a leader. They don't even have a shepherd. They don't even have a church. They don't even have a pastor. They don't even have Bible study. And they know that we got to work in order to survive. We got to do something in order to survive. So that whole, that whole what I just read 
It's a spiritual principle about reaping and sowing. Faith without works is dead. What you believe is going to be evidenced by what you do and how you feel about it. You can't just do stuff and not really want to do it in your heart. Like love, serving, being a Christian should be a label of love. When you when you are out or you're talking to people, you should be wanting to do those things because you love Jesus. So if you don't do them, ask yourself, why don't I do this? Why don't I tell people about this man that I say that I love? Why don't I invite people to church? Why why don't why don't I do this? Like get to the root of it. Why don't you do it? Are you ashamed because how you living? Do you really believe? Like what 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 is it? If you don't put any action behind what you say you believe, or you don't feel the right way about it, what is it? But the, the wisdom in this is don't expect the remedy. Don't expect to reap anything and you have not sown anything. Because you have not been truly putting the kingdom of God first. So that means nothing else can be added unto you. So how long will we be lazy in our personal pursuit of God before we realize why things are happening in our life? It's like Cain and Abel. Both of them brought an offer, right? God said, I like this offer, but I don't like that offer. Cain got mad. God said, why are you mad? He said, if you do right, won't I bless you? God is not out to get you. So when he says, like, you know, when, when God check you about your offering, when God check you about what you're bringing to him, why are you mad? Just go back and get the right offering. Won't he bless you? Yes, he will. But we'd be so lazy in our pursuit of God. So the remedy, and the, here's, the, here's the remedy, here's the wisdom. So if you're lacking something on today, if you feel like you're coming up short in the area of your life, here's the nudge, here's the remedy. The remedy to insufficiency, the remedy to lack is Christ in whom all sufficiency is found. It's not the work you do, but it's who you do it for in the spirit that is in you. So you but Pastor, you just say we gotta do something. Doing something ain't just coming to church. Doing something is the, the doing something part is I'm going to seek after Jesus. Yeah. Period. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to seek after Jesus, period. Yeah. And when you seek after Jesus, period, you're gonna find yourself doing all these other things that produces fruit in your life. Amen. So the, the the doing something is I'm not it's not I'm gonna pay my tithes. And then complain about it or go home and be anxious about how you're gonna pay your bills. Right, so you don't you don't really feel good about what you know to do and that you even doing, but you don't feel good about it because you still worry about money. Your your orthopath is off, your feelings about it, right? So even though you put that money in that offer, you really can't read. Right? And so you still come up short, right? Even though God gives you he gives you respite. He gives you respite. Momentary, right? But you're still not walking in the poorness. Because your feelings about what you're doing is off. So the remedy to lack in insufficiency is serve the Lord. It's not the work that you do. It's who you do it for and the spirit that you do it in. It's much more than grain. Go back to root, right? She right. It's the sermon about I'm okay with going last. Because the last going to be what? First. Alright, here's your next nugget. 
I thought about my missionary right here. You miss the word. So it makes you feel good when you read something in the word and it's not you saying about people. It says, this is the 12th verse, worthless people go around telling lies. They wink and make gestures to deceive you. All the while planning evil in their perverted minds, stirring up trouble everywhere. Because of this, disaster will strike them without warning, and they will be fatally ruined. If you read that in, in the King James Version, it says that disaster is going to come without warning, and there is no remedy for it. So truth is the remedy to trouble. Yeah. Think about how many times in your life you could have avoided trouble if you told the truth. Jesus. Tell so, you know, like I ain't even talking about when you lied to somebody else, but how many times you could have averted trouble if you just told the truth to yourself? Jesus. Right? You stayed in that relationship all them years. What if you had to told the truth to yourself? <laughs> You made yourself like that job. What if you had told the truth to yourself? So truth is a remedy to trouble. When you lie to yourself, all you're doing is going around stirring up confusion. And there's no remedy for that. God say, I can't bless you if you keep walking in lies. I can't bless you if you keep walking in lies. If you keep telling lies to yourself and to your mom and to your brother and to your sisters and brothers, I can't bless you. There's no remedy in that. The only thing that's going to come out of lies is destruction. All right. And so now that these last few nuggets going to be rapid fire. I don't have the I don't have the 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 the, the, the detailed description like I just did in verse six. But when you get your three ends, you can go home and, and, and study. So, think about this one. And this is the one that, that Brother Roosevelt dropped on me. This is Proverbs 29 and 1. If you get more stubborn every time you are corrected, one day you will be crushed and never recover. Right? If you get more stubborn, think about, and it, it made me think about, um, my helper Chelsea, and we were talking about Jaheen. And she was saying how I, I told her that one day I had to take him in my office at school and I showed him my paddle. Right? And she was like, ooh, please do it. <laughs> now, you know I can't really whoop that boy in school for real. She was like, but you need to. And she was saying how when he gets spanking, one of the last times he got a spanking, he was standing there trying to be oh, like, I ain't going to cry. Y'all ain't going to make me cry. Right? And it's the same principle, like it's the same principle with God. Maybe that, that first time we get that whooping when we do something wrong, we like, ouch. Mm-hmm. And we'll go for a couple of months without trying to do that same thing. But then we say, well, I'm still alive. Yeah. I still got my job. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. So we test the waters again. And then when we get the whooping, that, that same whooping again, we like, hey, that ain't even hurt. They ain't even hurt. And so God, and that's why there is no remedy. Because God is like, every time I try to correct you with, the, with this small tweak or this small correction or this small, go on, get yourself together now. When he try to correct us with that, we take that as his, as weakness or we take that as he, him still being on our side or we take that as him co-signing what we want to do. We don't see it as correction. 
And then, that's why that goes back to the Sermon on Faults. Like, we, we say that nobody falls just overnight. Mm -hmm. It's tiny cracks in their foundation over time that eventually makes their whole world fall apart. Yes. So if you get stubborn every time you correct it, one day you're going to be crushed. And there's going to be no way you can put it through. You're going to be like Humpty Dumpty. And all the men are going to put you together again. Proverbs 29 and 3. If you appreciate wisdom, your parents will be proud of you. It is a foolish waste to spend money on prostitutes. Ooh, what? How don't you things come together? <laughs> <laughs> How don't you things come together? If you appreciate wisdom, your parents will be proud of you. Right? No parent. So the wisdom in that is no parent wants their child to be a whore. And it's just not about it's not, it's just not about sexual desire. It's about you just selling yourself to the world. Just yes. opening the door yes. to everything. Just opening your door to lies and yes. people and stuff. Right? That's why the, the, one of the Ten Commandments is honor our mother and our father. And you do that by serving the Lord, period. Proverbs 29 and 6, evil people are trapped in their own sin, while honest people are happy and free. Evil people are trapped in their own sins, while honest people are happy and free. That goes back to how many times have you just told the truth? Truth, the truth is a remedy in times of distress. And it's crazy how so many times we are afraid of the truth. Because we feel like we're going to lose people, right? Something bad going to happen if we tell the truth. We're going to lose people. We're going to lose friends. And half the time, we need to lose them. Right? Half the time, we need to lose them. And so we got to understand what the truth is and what God's word is. God's word is a double-edged sword. So when we give the truth and you're worried about losing friends... Then when number really what that truth is revealing is then when really your friends, your real friends respect truth. When I first got saved, I, I remember how I remember how everybody was like, "You change, all right." But even even though I changed and my friends didn't change, my friends respected the change in me. So now they don't cuss around me no more. They don't drink around me no more. They don't smoke no more. They still do it. But when I come around, they stop. That's a real friend because they respected the they respected me for who I was and who I am. I didn't have to pretend anymore or try to fit in. Right? And so that's how you can still that's how you can still be in relationship with people but not compromise your Jesus. And if you got to compromise your Jesus, then you're making your friendships into an idol. You love them more than you love God. And Jesus said that if you if you don't if you don't turn your back on your mom and your brother, then you're not worth you're not worthy to follow him. Am I talking about literally like mama, I'm done with you? But no, the principle behind that is if it come down, we say that all the time. If it come down to you and me. And Jesus is going to be Jesus. That's why it's important that you equally know. So that you don't have to try to make a decision whether you're going to live for Jesus or live for your man or your woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Watch this one now. Proverbs 29, 9 through 11. When an intelligent person brings a lawsuit against a fool, the fool only laughs and becomes loud and abusive. Bloodthirsty, I thought about you with this one, time. <laughs> Bloodthirsty people hate anyone who is honest, but righteous people will protect the life of such a, birth, a person. Stupid people express their anger openly, but sensible people are patient and hold it back. Ooh. Right? So an intelligent, when an intelligent person brings a lawsuit, Against the fool, the fool only laugh, the fool only laughs and becomes loud and abusive. Have you ever called somebody out on something, and instead of them addressing what was really wrong or evaluating themselves to see if they're actually guilty of that thing, they just start yelling and arguing and bringing up stuff from ten years ago that don't have nothing to do with what you just tried to address? Jesus, yes, yes. Right. Uh -huh. They just get angry. And that's one of the ways that you can identify that as Satan. Because Satan will go from crying to angry to now I love you, to now I want to buy you a present, to now you're my best friend, and then tomorrow I'm angry again, and then now now I feel guilty, and now I'm uh, emotions be all over the place. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Yes. So they just expressing their anger all over. They just all over the place. But sensible people are patient and they hold it back. They slow the they, they, they slow the they, they slow the anger. They're not quick to speak, right? And so that's even that even that patience and that being slow to speak. That's a remedy in a time of distress, right? If somebody coming at you all crazy and you turn and, and you just say, "What are they gonna do with that?" <laughs> and you just look at them yeah. and they they arguing. And they emotional, and they crying, and they, what are they going to do with that? You know, I use it on the little kid, and they be all emotional, and I just sit there, and I say, you want some water? <laughs> right? You, did you know you can't cry when you sip the water? <coughs> they take three sips of water, and they slow their heart rate right down. And now they ain't crying no more. <laughs> now you can talk, now you can use your words. Amen. Amen. Now you can talk to them. Correction. This is 29 and 15. Correction and discipline are good for children. Mm -hmm. If they have their own way, they will make their mothers ashamed of them. So that goes two ways now. You can't you can't you can't be ashamed of your child and be angry at your child if you never correct them. And correction is more than I'm going to tell you what to do and you never show them what to do. Amen. 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 Right? Yes, so telling them what to do, that's the orthodox. I know what's right. But, but, but what about the, 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 the um, I forgot my other orthodox word. How you feel about it in the, um, yeah, the orthopraxy. What about if you never show them? They never see you actually doing it. And then your motivation got to be right when you're teaching them. Right? Because if you don't, if you just tell them what to do and you even show them, but you don't have any empathy, right? And you're setting them to get it right. It's the first time you tell them and the first time you show them. Then they're still not going to latch on to it. You got to love them through it. 
When evil people are in power, crime increases, but the righteous will live to see the downfall of such people. Discipline your children, and you can always be proud of them. They will never give you a reason to be ashamed. So this goes hand in hand with the 19th verse. You cannot correct servants just by talking to them. They may, they may understand you, but they will pay no attention. Right? There is more hope for a stupid fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. And I think I told you what my great-grandma used to say. And she said, nobody know you a fool till you open your mouth. And me and I'm almost done, y'all. This is Proverbs 29 and 22. People with quick tempers cause a lot of quarreling and trouble. Proverbs 29, 23, and 24. Arrogance will bring your downfall. But if you are humble, you will be respected. And I love this one. A thief's partner. A thief's partner is his own worst enemy. He will be punished if he tells the truth in court. And God will curse him if he doesn't. So I'm talking about everything in the word. Right? Like we, we talk like street code, we talk about snitches, right? <laughs> the very people you out here committing crimes and sins and stuff, with, those are your worst enemies, <laughs> right? Because if you start, if you decide, if somebody decide to tell the truth, then it's going to expose everybody. But if nobody tell the truth, everybody going to hell. <laughs> That's why you're not supposed to keep company with evil people. You can't keep company with evil people and not expect to get dirty. Amen. Amen. But don't say, don't want to say you lay down with dogs, you get pleased. Right? And so here's my final one. This is Proverbs 29, 25 through 26. It is dangerous. <coughs> To be concerned with what others, and y'all, I hope y'all please just understand that I'm reading the Bible to you. This not worldly wisdom. This this common this is common this is God giving us common sense from His Word. This is His Word. This is the truth. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you are safe. Everybody wants the good, the goodwill of the ruler, but only from the Lord can you get justice. You can try to please all the people that you want, but at the end of the day, they will never be your remedy. They will never be your remedy. In order for you to get justice, in order for you to get what you deserve, in order for you to get what's was due to you in order to get what God has for you, you have to go to the source. You have to go to Him. Amen. If you try to go to other people or things in order to fill the voice in your life, you are going to be constantly disappointed. It goes back. You're going to be you all you're doing is taking that pill. You taking that pill even though that pill is not going to kill the disease. Your husband can be the pill. Your job can be the pill. Your money can be the pill. Your wife can be the pill. Your friend, the weed, the whatever it is can be the pill. Food can be a pill. 
But food ain't gonna bring you justice. Drugs ain't gonna bring you peace. Right? When something against you, right? The truth that they, they, they ain't the, the enemy ain't gonna give you peace. Right? Sleeping around ain't gonna give you sleeping around ain't gonna make the truth come out. The only person that can make the truth come out that can vind, vindicate you is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Right? So in terms of distress. God is our remedy. He's our healing for disease. So break that word down. He's our healing for this ease. When you're uneasy. When you're uneasy. When you're not at ease. Right? God is the remedy for that. God is a healer. He can heal and refresh both your mind and your body. How many of y'all, you you know, and the, the, the perfect example of this is, I want you to think about a person who is your age, but they look like they're old enough to be your mom. Yes. Right? And I'm not being funny. I'm not just calling somebody ugly. I'm not, I, I want y'all to understand, like, they your age, but they look like they old enough. That's life. That's life on their face. But the Lord will refresh both your mind and your body. Like I know that there, I know that, yeah, I'm the type of pastor where I know that there is a science behind like mental disease and all of all and bipolar and all. I know that there is a science behind that. But there's also a spiritual part in it. There's a spiritual part behind Alzheimer's and dementia and all of these things, right? And what happens is when we repress all of the stuff and we never get the remedy, our body does what? It breaks down. It's a temporary vessel. And it wasn't designed, y'all got to understand, our bodies were not designed to carry sin. Because when God made them, they were what? Good. So we got this foreign element in our body called sin that's constantly breaking our body down. Yes, Jesus. Jesus is the remedy to that. That's why the scripture says when we get up with him, we're going to get new bodies because these old vessels are constantly, from the time they come, from the time they that small. You've already seen, whether there's a skin rash or something wrong with a tummy or whatever, the, the vessel is already faulty. If the vessel is not perfect from the time we are a child, Jesus is the remedy for that. He's our deliverance. He's our peace of mind. He's our meats of heart. He's our balance. He's our gentleness. So in times of distress, we gotta we gotta respect his word. We gotta respect his his uh his his prophets and his messengers. And we have to understand his prophecy. And what I mean by that is what God said is going to happen in the word is going to happen. Right? So stop pretending like it's not. Stop pretending like you ain't got to die. That's just like when I say with that song, you ain't got to be scared. You don't have to be sad. You don't have to be feeling all like, like it's the word. We all got to go. We all going to be before him in judgment. Trials and tribulations gonna come in this life. You're gonna get sick sometime. You're gonna cry sometime, right? But his word tells us how to fight all of those things, or at least how to be at peace with them. So what are we afraid of? 
God said, I didn't give you the spirit of fear. I gave you the spirit of adoption. Meaning, I didn't, I didn't create you. What he, basically, what he's saying is, what are you afraid for if you're my child? Well, you don't have nothing to be afraid of if I'm your father. Because I got all power. Hallelujah. So I, I hope y'all enjoyed those nuggets. All those little all those all those remedies to fussing and fighting, to arguments, to debt. Amen. To to laziness, to having drive to your friends, to your parents, to, you know, to your children, to the powers that be. Everything that we need is in God's word. He has a remedy for us in his word. Amen. 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 Anybody desiring prayer? Open doors for them, God. Close doors for them, God. Bring them out, 
Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Whatever their curses are, whatever their ring are, you are the answer, God. Last but not least, God, strengthen them when he's weak there, God. Strengthen them when he's weak there, God. Fill up every wall, God. You are a strong power, God. You are a mighty speak, Lord Jesus. You are a protector, God. You stand in your word, God, that we can ride and mount up, God, like the wings of an eagle, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you right now, God, that his feet, God, that his faith, God, would not fail, God. Stricken him, Lord, and the inner man, Lord, touch his body, God, his physical health, Lord, and we'll be careful, Lord, to give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.
daughter Shanani being here today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. A couple of months back, she told me that she wanted to join the church. Thank you, Lord. So I told her that the next time she was here, that we would make that happen. Um, and I asked her, I hope Trey don't feel like I was forcing him, but I asked him, was he going to keep coming back? And he said, yes. So I said, well, you might as well go on and join me. So you have to cover it. If you're going to come anyway. Amen. Is there anybody else that wants to join the church on today? So normally what we do when we are gonna um y'all are coming, y'all gonna do it today. We do what's part of right hand fellowship. So everybody just comes around and they just welcome you into the three PD family. 3PD stands for prayer, praise, preach, and deliverance. So that's the name of your church. So the <laughs> church you go to. Say prayer, praise, preach, and deliverance. Or 3PD. Um, I'm your pastor. That's your pastor. Amen. 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 We make sure that y'all have our numbers. Anything that you need, call on us. You got family. I know you can across the um, Missionary Park and, and Brother Marcus. So um, anything y'all need, y'all let us know. Um, this is a it's a it's a lifelong race, you know, it's a lifelong race. But the reason that you join the church is so that you have people to help you as you go on the lifelong race. Whether you're in another city or you move or whatever it is, you already want to be covered. You always want to know that you got people somewhere for you that's praying for you and that's concerned about you. Amen. Amen. So y'all come on around and get up with our hand of fellowship. Thank you. 
And those that did not have it, Lord, we pray that you bless them, Lord Jesus, to be able to give on the next go around, Lord God. We ask that you use this offering, Lord God, for your kingdom, Lord Jesus, and multiply it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank God for the word of today. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Amen. 